0: It's Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, I'm a little bit sad because it is the last football game for seven months, which I know basketball is a little bit fun. I really like football, and I like football season, and the, so for seven months, we don't get to watch football, and then, you know, basketball ends, and then there's baseball. Nobody watches baseball, so what's that about? So anyway. I know I'll hear about that later. But anyway, but if you think about football, football is a very violent game, but it is a violent game of taking ground. That's the series that we're concluding today, taking ground. Football is a violent game of taking ground. And at, at the end of the game, they tally the yardage, whether it was rushing yardage or passing yardage. And usually, the person that controlled the field, controlled the line of scrimmage, that team, they win the football game. Well, the same thing happens in in our lives. Taking ground is a step-by-step process over time that leads to victory in your life. Taking ground step-by-step. Well, I want to conclude this series today with one last item that I believe that we need if we're going to take ground in this new year. And that is this, audacious faith. Audacious faith. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel, and thank you, Lord, for the fact that we get to experience you. I pray that you will touch every heart and every life, speak to us and confront us, and change us in every way as we dive into this message in the name of Jesus. And everybody say, look at your neighbor and say, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's take ground. Last few weeks, we've been talking about Joshua. That's our story. Joshua and the people of Israel. Joshua was the the leader of Israel right after Moses died, and as they approached the Jordan River after 40 years of walking in the desert, as they looked over that Jordan River, that was the land of Canaan, that was the promised land that they had been looking for, and as they crossed the Jordan River and stepped on that bank, that was a 700-year-old prophecy being fulfilled. that that their forefathers told them about, their grandfathers, there were people that were looking and standing in the land of Canaan thinking to themselves, I never thought this would ever happen. This was a dream come true. They were taking every step that they took in the land of Canaan was a step of destiny. They were walking in destiny. But here's something that had to be, here's something that they had to remember, is Canaan had to be conquered. That... Although that was their land, they had had inherited it, somebody didn't tell Canaan and all the nations that it had to be conquered. So they had to go on a seven-year conquest. They had to go uh, through a seven-year process of defeating all these 30-plus kingdoms in order to have the land of Canaan. God told them, I'm going to be with you, be courageous, be brave. You're going to win every step that you take, but you're going to have to take this land. So with this, with this brand new land came a land that had to be conquered, and what we see here, as, as we were diving into this real quickly, I want to review the first thing that had to take place week one was it took a new mindset that people that were enslaved for 400 years, they, they think differently than people who are conquering or a world conquering mentality it took a new mindset then it was a process that that God had a process that war had to take place and it was kingdom by kingdom now, week number three we talked about how taking ground means letting go of some things you're gonna to have to let go of old ways of life that you're gonna to have to let go of things and baggage that you carry through life week four we talked about how it's gonna take focus and the enemy wants to distract you with sin or whatever You've got to let go of those distractions and focus on God. And last week we ended with saying if you're going to take ground, you've got to eliminate the excuses that keep you where you are. Well, today I want to conclude with this. Taking ground takes audacious faith. Now, I believe that according to the scripture that it is impossible to please God without faith. But I'm talking about a little bit different faith today. I'm talking about a bold faith or an audacious audacious type of faith. In Philippians 3 and 13, this was our tag scripture every single week. It says this, forgetting those things that are behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he was taking a look and he was evaluating his life, I believe, when he was writing this, and he was saying something to the effect of, if you were to read this scripture, he said, I'm not where I want to be, but in order to get where I I want to be, in order to get where God has taken me, there are some things I'm going to have to do. And we've gone through that process. We're going to have to let go of some things. And then I'm going to grab a hold of what God has for me. Then he goes on to say, I'm going to strain forward. And I'm going to press forward. I'm going to press toward that goal. In other words, I'm not just going to sit around and wait for things to work out in my life. I'm not going to hope things work out. I'm not just going to believe and talk about it. But I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to show Audacious faith. I'm gonna put some put some action to my prayers. I'm gonna put some action to my words. You see, to be audacious is to take is to be bold. Audacious faith it takes bold risks. Audacious faith is is, is something that God does in your life over time. I don't believe it's just something that you wake up or you're born with. I believe that that there is a process that it, there's a step-by-step process where audacious faith is learned through a process of maybe even trials that God will allow us to go through. But I'm telling you, if you walk in the area of audacious faith, God will do some incredible things in your life if you believe that same man. It is something that is learned, and it is something that is practiced over time. In Joshua, the tenth chapter. I'm about to read this to you. This was an incredible story. That once Israel had conquered the land of Jericho, remember Jericho, where they marched around the walls seven times, and by an act of God, the walls fell straight in, and then they conquered the land of Jericho. Well, word got out to other, some of the other armies of the land of Canaan. They were the people of the Amorites. And five kings got together, When they heard about this and said, we've got to do something about the Israelites. We've got to do something. We can't do it alone. But if we combine our efforts, we can heavily outnumber them and we can drive these people out of here. So that's exactly what they did. They got five different kings together and they went to war against the people of Israel. Five different kings. Joshua 10 and 7 says this. I'm going to read some and I'm going to skip through some of it for the sake of time. It says... So Joshua and the entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set for Gibeon. Gibeon was the place where they were actually, the people or the Gibeonites were actually allies of Israel. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand against you. Joshua traveled all night to Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The 11th verse. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth. Quran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven and cont- that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. On, on, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed, I'm going to come back to these in a second, he prayed to the Lord in front of the people of Israel and said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajilah. So the sun stood still, and the moon stayed in the place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? In other words, the, the scripture is saying, or the writer of Joshua is saying, that this story is recorded in another book. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day, look at this, there has never been a day like this one before or since... When the Lord answered such a prayer, if I can put a word in there, I would say, when the Lord answered such an audacious prayer. Sure, the Lord fought for Israel that day. The 22nd verse says this, then Joshua said, remove the rocks covering the opening of the cave. Now, God did this incredible thing. Understand that that Israel was heavily outnumbered. However, God stepped in and killed a lot of the enemy with a hailstorm. That's how God moved on this day. And then also, the sun stood still. I'm going to come back to that here in just a second. But while Joshua and all of his commanders were fighting this one war, what happened was, these kings had retreated, or they were fighting on one side of this battle. The kings and the army retreated. As they retreated, the hell storm comes down, and these five kings, they hide out in this cave. Word gets back to Joshua, and Joshua says, look, I don't have time right now. I'm going to deal with that here in just a second. What I want you to do right now is I want you to, Throw a lot of big stones over the mouth of that cave. I'll be down there to deal with that shortly. So Joshua arrives, and he tells them to remove all the rocks from the cave and bring the five kings to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, and the kings of Jerusalem, it tells where they're from. And it says, when they brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of the army, come and put your feet on the king's neck. He laid them all out. "Put Put your feet on the king's neck, and they did as they were told. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Joshua told them, be strong and courageous for the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies. And then Joshua killed these five kings. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you quickly about three things. Three things. What audacious faith looks like. Number one. Are you ready? Look at your name and say, are you ready? Okay, here we go. You ready? Audacious faith. Number one is remembering what God has done. Remembering what God has done in the past. You see, Joshua was big on reminding the Israelites. And I think that this is why this was a different generation. This was not the same generation of Israelites who walked in the wilderness for 40 years. So you see, 40 years prior to this, as the land of Israel and as the leaders of Israel and all the armies of Israel, were, had, they had approached the land of Canaan, they decided that they would not go to war. And because of that, they walked around in a wilderness For 40 years until that generation passed away. And now this was a brand new generation. I believe one of the things was. Was Joshua was big. On reminding the people. Of just how great God was. When they passed. Or when they crossed the Jordan River. The Bible says that the Jordan River. It ceased to flow. And it dried up just like the land. Or just like the the Red Sea. Like God did in the life of Moses. So they walked across on dry land. They get to the other side. But as they're going across. Joshua speaks to the, le, the, the, the tribe leaders, and he says, everybody grab the biggest stone that you can get. So the 12 tribes, or the leaders of the 12 tribes, they, they, these great big stones, they pile them up on the other side of the Jordan River in this great big heap. And he says, from now on, when you cross this path, your kids are going to walk by and they're going to say, what do these stones mean? And you're going to tell them this was the day that God moved greatly in the life of the Israelites. This was the day that, that, that we walked across this river on dry land because God did this. Don't ever forget what God had done. When they, when they conquered the land of Jericho, Joshua gathers everybody around and he pours salt and he creates this, creates this memorial. And he says, nobody will ever build a city here again. And he, and he talks about, he, he has this moment where he has them remember what God has done. And everything that, everything that is conquered there is, is sacrificed to God. He, he makes a big moment about what God has done. And in this moment, he brings these, these, these kings out. And he lays them out. It was a very violent thing. It's an act of war, but they were in war. And he lays every one of these kings down, all five of them, on the ground. And he brings all of his commanders out. And he says, everybody look at this. And he makes this big statement. Everybody look at this. All you guys, all the, all the commanders, gather around. And those who could, he said, I want you to put your foot on their neck. Why did he do that? Because they were heavily outnumbered by these five kings. There was this great army. There were probably some of these commanders thinking to themselves. When Joshua, Joshua said, I know we haven't slept, but we've got a long ways to go. They were probably thinking, man I, man, I don't know about this. I don't know if we're going to be alive this time tomorrow. For God and country, you know, I hope this really works out. So they traveled all night. So Joshua was saying, remember this day when you traveled all night long and you were hungry? Remember this day when, when you thought that you were outnumbered and all these kings were talking trash? And all these people thought that they were going to do this. Remember this day when the sun stood still. Everybody look at, everybody look at these kings who were trash talking. Everybody remember that this was a day that was meant for your defeat. And they thought they were going to drive us out. He says, look at this before I kill them. And I want to tell you something. Remember this and don't ever be afraid again. Because from now on, after this day... God is going to do to your enemies what I'm about to do the, to these kings right now. Listen to me. You know what your past is good for? Remembering what God has done for you in your past. Sometimes we need to take a, a stroll down memory lane and remember what God has done. The past is good for a It's not really good for anything else except to remind us of the good that God has done and the, maybe the lessons that we've learned you see, the past, sometimes we need to be reminded because sometimes we get discouraged. Life can be a fight. So, every now and then, we need to remember what God will do in our lives. Sometimes we get disheartened because, or we get beat down by failure. So, we need to remember what God has done. Sometimes we get depressed and feel like, and we actually feel hopeless many times. And that's when we need to remember what God has done. Every now and then, you need to take a stroll down your yesterdays. You need to break out your journal and you need to re- remember and read those prayers again that you were praying for God to come true, for, for God to come through. And you need, to, you need to remember, because you need to remember that you serve a really big God, that you serve a God that is greater than any circumstance, that he is greater than anything that you can come against, that he will actually, he will actually show up and he will change every situation. He doesn't just change a few things. But he'll change everything in every situation, and he'll come through in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. Remember, I believe that every now and then we need to remember just how big our God is. Amen? He not only only is with you, but he goes before you, and he'll drive out your enemies like he did the Israelites. And if he was faithful then, then he's going to be faithful today. Amen? If If he delivered you then, then he will deliver you today. If he was with you then, then he will be with you today. You don't ever have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of the enemy. You don't have to be afraid of of the bad news that you might hear. You never have to be afraid because God has done it before, and he will do it again. If you believe that, say amen. Audacious faith. First of all, it's remembering what God has done. Number two, it's believing what God has said. You know, there are a lot of voices that we hear all around us, and we have to make up our minds what we're going to listen to. When Joshua is riding towards that war with all of his men, were hungry, probably hungry, and tired, riding all night. Then they have to go to war. The next day, God speaks to Joshua and he says, Tell your men this, do not be afraid of them, for I have given, them, I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of those guys is going to be able to stand up to you. God told Joshua these words. He needed to hear them, but he also needed to believe them. You have to make up your mind what you're going to believe. On one side is, 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 is maybe some bad news. On the other side is your faith in God. On one side maybe is, is an enemy that's trying to destroy your life and destroy your family. On the other side is God pulling you in a direction of victory. On one side, you have people saying things about you. They don't believe in you. On one side, you got people trying to pull you down and drag you down in life and keep you where you are. On the other side, you got God speaking to you about his words in the scripture that build you up and tell you things like like you are more than a conqueror, like you are his child. You have to make up your mind. At some point in your life, you have to make up your mind whose voices are you going to listen to. What voice are you listening to? Because the voice that you're listening to is going to govern your life. So who are you going to believe? It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people believe about you. What matters is what God has said about you and whether or not you believe it. If you believe that same man, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why does Pastor have a pewter mug on stage? That's exactly what you were thinking. Why does Pastor have a pewter mug on stage? Let me tell you a story. Now, if you've heard this before, bear with me, but you hadn't heard the entire story. So, I'm gonna tell you most of the entire story today. I grew up in an environment, I grew up in an environment where I believe people did not value my potential. <laughs> now, I guess everybody could say that, but honestly, honestly, what I mean by that is I, that I didn't apply myself. And I didn't apply myself because, it, I, you know, I didn't, you know, you know how we talk to our kids today. He's like, you can do anything. You're, you're the best. You know how we talk to our kids. We're a little bit smarter than how we deal with our kids. And you see in the 70s or 80s where were was like, hey, you'll never amount to anything kind of stuff, you know. So, I, you know, I, I grew up in an environment where not much was expected. Everybody loved me. I was like per, Mr. Personality in class. Uh, most likely to succeed, not so much. I didn't get a lot of those awards, okay? But I grew up in that kind of environment, and because I grew up in that environment where people, you know, didn't value my potential or didn't expect much, I really didn't apply myself. So my MO of life was pretty much just get by. Make more B's than you make C's. You know, I I wish, you know, everybody wishes they would have worked a little bit harder in school. But I really, I just just get by, play sports, and and do your thing. But I remember when I was a senior in high school, I decided that I wanted to go to college. So... I told, began telling people that I was, I was going to go to college and nobody believed it. Nobody took it seriously. I wouldn't have taken me seriously either because, you know, I never applied myself. But the people closest to me were like, okay, yeah, whatever, Travis. Even my high school principal, I was filling out my ACT during class. And as I was, I was filling all this out, he walked over and he goes, uh, what do you got there, Travis? And I said, well, I got my, my ACT form. Uh, I got to fill this out in order to take the ACT to go to college. He said, Travis Hurst, you and I both know that you'll never step foot in college, and I you know, I didn't argue with him because that was pretty much my M.O. I, I mean, it's you know, for, for me, I was the first one in my family to go to college, and it was I just decided one day that I was going to do it. So, you know, I I, I, I take the ACT test, and I I kid you not, I made the absolute lowest score that you could make to still get into like you know junior college the absolute lowest, and you know, you know for everybody, there would be, oh my gosh, we got to take that again, I was like, yes, yes, I made it, you know what I'm saying, because I never really, you know, I never really expected to do well, just get by and get in there, that was kind of the thing, so I spent the next two years uh, at, at school, and went to, uh, I went to Seminole, I went to Ada for a while, I would have graduated from Ada, but they like close up shop at noon, I couldn't take any evening classes, and I had to transfer to had to transfer to OU, which was a different world, you know, the difference of going, you know, 2,000 students or 20,000 students, and the classes were different, I really had to make a decision whether or not I was going to, it never dawned on me, hey, you might want to learn some of these things for your career in the future, I was just like, you know, just show up and make a good grade, you know, don't fail the quiz kind of thing, and I was a, I was a somewhat of a, I paid attention in school, and I listened to everything, but I was not a good test taker, it was like, I would show up, I would write all the notes down, I'm, you know, read the chapter, or whatever, and then I would study all week and then cram every, the night before, and, you know, and then time for the test, and I was like, did, did we even cover these things? You know what I'm saying? That's what was my experience was all through college. I'll still have a nightmare that they put down a pop quiz, and I was like, we didn't even cover these things. It was just, it was me. Listen, it was me. I was not a good student. But math was different. But math is not determined on what the college professor decides. No matter what, one plus one still equals two, and you can take that, put it into any formula, and as long and, and math was something else that could be practiced. So I went every day to the math lab. I went every day to the math lab. <laughs> Let's get that right. <laughs> I didn't have that much fun in college. <laughs> I went every day to the math lab, where I got tutoring. And, man, I, every, every day for two hours, I, uh, let me back up for a second. I, I had to go, you know, my second semester at college, I had to go to calculus. So I had to go through Calc 1 and Calc 2. What am I even doing in there? So every day I had to apply myself and I had to, you know, uh, uh, go to tutoring every single day. But then, after my first, it was a what, halfway through the test, halfway through the year, what's that called? Midterm. It was midterm and final. Midterm, I made a B. And I was like what in the world? I-, I might be able to do this. And then the last week of the last semester of Calc two, after I'd made a B and an A in the class, the college professor stands up there and he says, guys, we're going to have a contest. There were 300 students in this class. He said, we're going to have a contest next week and everybody's going to be a part of it. And we have prizes. Whoever knows these formulas, whoever can do this. Second prize is a pewter mug. And the first prize is a hundred dollar steak dinner to the chop house or whatever it was in Norman. And before you think you know what happens, this story. Remember, this is a story about me. You don't even know where this is going. Okay. So I'm like, okay. So we showed up the next day, the Friday. It was like, you know, next 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 week, school was out. So we had everybody stand up. And here were the rules: three hundred students, you know, in this great big auditorium. He puts the problem on the board. You write it down, and you beat the person. It was a contest. so it was a competition, and you beat the person next to you. If you do, you solve it before the, that person sets down, and you go to the next person. So the, after the first problem, 150 people sit down, and then there's 150 people. Are you with me? So it divides every single time until there's eight people left in the auditorium. And I'm one of these eight people. I can't believe this, all right? I'm one of these eight people. So he has all of us walk up on the stage that was larger than this and an auditorium that was three times this size. He has us all walk up, and we're on this chalkboard. And I'm holding this chalk and my hand's shaking. You know, I'm looking at all this. I'm thinking, man, what am I? This is, this is not in my comfort zone, okay? But, you know, it's happening. So he goes, eight people. So he writes the problem on the board. I'm still up there. Now there's four people, okay? Happens again. I'm still up there. There's two people, all right? I'm, I've made finals, okay? It's me and some Asian dude, of course, right? And you know where this is going, All my friends were Asians. They come out of the womb being able able to solve, you know, math problems. So it's me and this Asian dude, and we're sitting there, and, you know, and I'm like, he goes, okay, here we go, Travis. Or or, he didn't say my name. He's just, okay, here we go. So he writes this problem on the board, and I'm like, I got this. You know, parentheses, looking at him, seeing where he is, and, you know, all that. Chalk down. I win. I win the entire thing. Everybody goes crazy. They clap. I'm like, I just can't believe this moment. So they're like, second place. Peter Mug goes to the Asian guy. And for you, Travis, man, you got a date night out with your girlfriend or whatever. Here you go, man. Here's this. Let's give him a great big hand. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me, there ain't nobody going to believe this moment. Nobody's going to believe this, and I got a steak dinner. And I look over at that guy, and I say, hey, man, I trade you this steak dinner for that old pewter Mug. And he goes, Okay, so we swap, and I'm like, I got this trophy that sits on my desk, that sits in my conference table right now. If you go go down there tomorrow, it sits right there, and it's it's my trophy of of this one day, that that one time in my life. And then when somebody says, where did you get that pewter mug? I say, let me tell you a story. (laughs) Here's the point. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter who believes in you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter whose opinion or what opinion. Let me tell you something when it comes to people's opinion. Other people's opinion plus 10 bucks, you know what that's worth? About 10 bucks. That's what it's worth. Maybe eight bucks because you have to listen to it. You know what I'm saying? It's not worth anything. The only thing that matters is what your God says about you. He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That he loves you with an everlasting love. In Ephesians, the second chapter, in the 10th verse, he says this. You are God's masterpiece. You are a work of art. Hey, you may not be where you're going to be one of these days, but he is honing you, and he's placing you, and he's fixing you, and he's designing you to be exactly what he wants you to be. So don't worry about those voices, and don't believe the negative voices in your life. You believe what your God says about you. Amen? Amen. So, audacious faith, it's first, it's all about remembering what God has done, believing what God said, and lastly, it's about acting on God's word. Acting at some point, you got to act on God's word. Jesus says, All things are possible to those who believe. If you really believe and you really act on it, anything is possible. Listen to this story. The sun was going down in a battle, in, in, in this Israelite battle. The sun was going on. on. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in, in front of all the people for the sun to stand still. What was happening was this was a very critical battle. These five kings and these kingdoms, all this, this needed to be finished. So at at, at this desperate moment in the battle where it needed to be finished with everybody standing around, I mean, it was so important that they wrote it down in this book and they wrote, somebody was like, write this down. We never seen anything like it. The Bible said that Joshua looked up at the sky and said, sun, stand still, moon, stay where you are. We're gonna stay, we're gonna keep it right here for a while until this takes place. Who has the audacity to say something like that? Let me tell you something. A very desperate person and a person with audacious faith. Can you imagine God being up in heaven when, and, and, and Joshua saying that and then looking at each other and saying, what did he just say? Did he just, did he just say for the planets to stand still? That is some really, really big faith. Hey, guys, let's do something about that. I want to tell you something. Well, let me ask you something. What areas in your life do you need to speak to those areas and say something really that, that requires audacious faith? Sun stand still. Where do you need to say that into your life? Marriage be healed. Say something that, Say something that it's going to take an act of God in order for that to happen. I want to tell you something, and this message is for somebody for, that, that's here today, that you need to speak something like that in your life. Sun stand still. Moon, stay where you are. Because when you get radical and you get bold about it, that's when God begins to move. If you believe that, say amen. I'm going to close with this. A lot of times when the reason that we don't act in faith and take advantage of these moments and, and step out there in faith and say things and speak to things is we think to ourselves, what if I fail? We get hung up in the, in the what if. I don't know if you're familiar with spreadsheet, but there's something that we do. This is called a what-if analysis that you have this spreadsheet that has this formula in there, and you put numbers into this spreadsheet, and it affects the bottom line. You don't have to continue to add up the items because you just put the number in, and it changes the bottom line. What if my expenses are this? You put that in there. It changes the bottom line. What if I don't do this? You put that number in, it changes. It's called a what-if analysis. What if? What if? You know, a lot of times I believe that we don't act and we don't step out in faith and we don't walk in audacious faith because we get wrapped up in the what if. What if I fail? And if we get wrapped up, we can get so wrapped up in what if that we neglect or we don't see the what's next. God has something. He has a what's next on the other side of your what if. But you got to believe you got to believe, and you got to act on that thing. God has something incredible that he wants to do in your life, and that that has to do with taking ground. God did not call you, save you, place you in his family for you to fail. The enemy will speak to you. Voices around you will speak to you and say, your future is failure, and he wants you to be afraid. What if, what if, what if I fail? Let me ask you this. What if you don't act in faith? What if Joshua had not spoken to the sun and the moon? We wouldn't be reading about it today. What if he didn't finish that battle? What if he didn't load up? What if he was too tired the night before? What if you don't do what God is calling you to do? You need to ask yourself, greater than the failure, greater than the what if I fail, you need to ask yourself, what if I don't move? What if I don't act? What if I don't do? What if I don't believe? What do you miss out on? You miss out on the taking ground moments in your life. Don't get wrapped up in the what-ifs. Take massive, audacious acts of faith. Sun stand still moments in your life and watch God move in your life. Amen? Let me pray with you. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here, Lord, and speaking to us today and, and for ministering in our hearts. Father, what areas in our lives that we need to see the sun stand still? What areas in our lives need to be changed? What How do you need to move in the lives of people today as we pray, God, will you minister to every person that is here, wherever we are, and bring the change that needs to take place? What's going on in the lives of people that you would ordain a message like this? I believe you're speaking to people today, and you're challenging people, maybe even confronting us, to have an audacious faith. So I ask that you will do business in the lives of people, minister to people, in the name of Jesus. As every head is bowed, maybe you're praying about a situation that's going on in your life. You live for God. He's Lord and Savior of your life. But you feel that God is leading you into an area of faith and audacious faith. If that's where you are today, I'd like to agree with you in prayer. This is not about salvation. This prayer is about taking a step forward. This is about a sun standstill moment in your life that God is dealing with you about, that, that you've been hesitant, that you've been fearful. but God is speaking to you today, that He's with you. He's fighting for you. Remember what He's done. Believe in what He said, and act on His word and will, because He's right there with you. you don't ever have to be afraid. You can live fearless. So I want to pray with you right now. If you're seated next to somebody that you love, if you will take him or her by the hand, this is a special moment. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's here that's that's affected by these words, every person that's going through a situation, every person, Lord, that is hurting, every person, Lord, that they need this moment. Lord, that the, that the sun needs to stand still in their lives. Lord, will you move? Whatever that need might be, will you move greatly in their lives? As they speak these words, as they believe, as they act in faith, I pray that you will move greatly to impact the lives of people, whatever that looks like. We are your children. We live for you. We serve you. Teach us. Teach us to have audacious In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, if you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life for any reason, you can say, Travis, I don't live for God. For whatever reason, maybe at some point in your life you walked away from God. You you lived for him as as a kid, you said a prayer of salvation, but... You walked away from God at some point in your life. Maybe that's your situation. Or maybe your situation is, I have never surrendered my life to God. And you feel like God is leading you to do that today, I'd like to pray with you. I won't ask you to stand, come down here, single you out, nothing like that. In the way we just prayed, we're going to pray that kind of prayer. And if that's you, you need to come home to God, I'd like to lead you in that prayer. But I'd like to know if, if I'm praying for somebody. So between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis... If you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you right now because I want to make things right with God. Like I said, for whatever reason, just so I know I'm praying for people because I don't pray this prayer unless there are people here that want to come home to God. If you can say that, Travis, that's me. I'm serious. I'm going to give my life to Christ as you pray. Just slip your hand up quickly and put it down. Just to let me know. See your hand over here. See your hand in the back in the middle. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't, I don't want to miss anybody. Just, I see your hand right there. You put it down. One more time, then we'll pray, just to make sure. If There's anybody else. Okay, we're going to pray. And as we pray, if you lifted your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Mean it with all your heart. Today is the day you give your life to Christ. And I don't know if I saw everybody's hand, but more importantly, God saw your hand in your heart. And even if you didn't raise your hand, And God is leading you to give your life to him. Go ahead and say this prayer. That's what matters more than anything, is that you say these words. We're all going to pray together. Everybody pray out loud with me. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Make me your child. I believe in you, Jesus that you died for me and rose from the dead. And now from this moment on, my life is yours. I surrender to your cause. And take my life and use it as your will. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Big deal.